Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Trowan with the Self-Love Revolution here for another episode of Shared Humanity. And I am I'm truly, 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 oh my God, excited about this one. Today we have Coot Blackson, best-selling author, member of the Transformational Leadership Council, winner of the Unity Thought Unity New Thought Walden Award. And the truth is, I, I could go on and on, but to be honest, I actually want to talk to you, not just make a list of everything, Coot. Um, the new book, Magic of Surrender. I just have, even saying that, I have to pause. Thank you for being here, Coot. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, mm-hmm. surrender is near and dear to my heart. I'll be honest, I actually saw you on another podcast. And, um, and, you know, I heard just the words magic of surrender in the book, magic of surrender. And I, I just emailed you that day and said, will you come on please? Um, and I'm grateful you said yes. So I, I, I often start off with a simple question, not related to this. And oh. what are you grateful for today? What am I grateful for? I mean, so many things. <laughs> this is like, I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for breath. I'm grateful for uh, my best friend who's in town. You know, I'm grateful for connection with my father. I mean, just, oh, I mean, the list goes on, you know, just That's grateful, great, grateful for the messages I receive uh, today, just alone of people who are so inspired by the book. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's many things, many things. Yeah. Thank you for that. So I want to start out, I'm going to make a guess here. I don't know for sure. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to make a guess that you didn't always know this magic of surrender and it was learned and somehow you, you figured out a pathway to it. Is that, it was, is that a true statement? Um, I think, well, yes and no, because I would say that all of us at the depth of our being, <clears throat> we know the magic of surrender at the depth of our being, but we kind of got conditioned out of it or we forgot in some way the, the innate nature of surrender. Because the truth is in any moment, we're all surrendering, whether we're resisting it or whether we're not resisting it. Your hair falls off your head, you're surrendering. Every breath you take, you're surrendering. Every moment you're sur- everything you're doing you're surrendering. you have an orgasm you're surrendering everything is you really surrender it's just how you participate with that process more than anything and so um i would say there was certain experiences that happened in my life in this sort of human lifetime that have uh, maybe helped me primed me taught me the process of surrender even more so what, what were some of those things that happened to you, which, which brought you back to, like you say, well, we already knew it, but it's been covered up, reprogrammed, we've been retrained. So how did you un- uncover or get back to the surrender that was already inside of you? Um, well, again, so many directions, the question, but I, I would just, just so people have a bit of a context, you know, uh, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana, my mother's Japanese. I grew up in London, um, lived in Los Angeles for 20, 20 plus years, um, now in Miami and all over the world, so to speak. And um, for me, 
my first memories as a young boy was a deep, uh, this is in London, there was a deep uh, desire to serve people, a deep desire to help people in some way. There, there was a certain knowing that I was here to make a difference in people's lives. I was very sensitive to people's feelings. And so as a young boy, I wanted to alleviate people's suffering. I just didn't know what that would look like or the form or the shape it would take. And so I would see people who seem to have every reason to be happy, every you know financial and status and what have you, yet they were miserable. Then I'd see people who seemed to have every reason to not be happy. And they were happy, you know, fulfilled in some way, shape or form. And so uh, some things didn't make sense to me, you know, as a kid. And, 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 and so that took me down a path of questioning and the questioning of like, who am I and why am I here? And what's the purpose of life? And is it just to wake up, make money, have sex, buy a car, buy a house, go on vacation and then die? Like the feeling that there has to be more to life than just this. So what is the purpose of life was a question I started to marinate on from a very young age so um, how old how old were you then um six seven eight six seven wow. eight. It really just six seven eight nine ten i mean it just it just kept growing it, it's not like that the questioning began because things didn't make sense you know and and then i grew up in this very spiritual environment um which which leads to your to to, to this whole point of experiences to surrender uh my first memories too were literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up this, this is in Ghana. She picks up the sand. This man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. And the same man whose sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. Or the same man would look at, this man was my father. The man, same man would look at someone with crutches and say, why do you have these crutches? You're not six, stand, throw your crutches away. And so, my father built 300 churches in Ghana. He had a huge church in London. So when I was eight, I started speaking in, in my father's churches. When I was 14, I was ordained as a minister, given the mandate to take over my father's entire organization. And so you could say my life was set out for me. When it was announced that I was going to take over, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my destiny. I knew that this was not what I was put on the planet to do. But the truth is, I, I was too afraid that if I spoke my truth, if I dared to be who I was, if I really dared to express to my father how I felt, that I'd be alone, that I'd be outcast, that I'd be abandoned, that I would basically lose the connection and relationship with my father. So I didn't say anything, got ordained, went through the whole process, four years of internal questioning and turmoil and back and forth and you know, inner struggle and questioning a lot. Um, and then it got to the point where at 18, 17, 18, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path, which was take over my father's church and you know, follow the expectations that everyone had for me. Uh, but as I looked into that path, I saw that I could be successful by everyone's standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my own integrity, then what the hell do I have? And, and and I saw that, yeah, you, you can't truly be happy living someone else's life. You can't truly be happy and fulfilled being somebody that you're not. And so I had to go through a process of letting go, grieving, letting go and surrendering my relationship with my father uh, to really choose myself. It was a, it was a, maybe a first conscious process of surrender. Like I, 
have to let this go so I can follow my truth. And that was deep surrender because I thought surely he won't speak to me again. And I made that choice. And I knew that I was guided in a totally different direction. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Uh, sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't make sense to your conscious mind, doesn't make sense to your, to your logic. It's not logical, but it feels right. And I felt guided to come to America. I wanted to come to the US to find teachers and mentors and authors. All the people I read about in terms of the self-help and spiritual books lived in Southern California. They lived in Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Barbara. I wanted to come and meet them and learn from them, study with them. And so I made that choice. And then I surrendered, had the conversation with my father, decided life's not worth living unless I'm going to live in alignment with my truth, with my soul. I wasn't thinking my soul, but just it's like I need to follow this inner directive that was pushing me. And so I surrendered to that impulse and spoke to my father. We didn't speak for when I told him I wasn't taking over. We didn't speak for about two years in that zone. What, what uh, was his first reaction to you? Like what, when, you, when you got the courage uh, to speak to him, what did he yeah, do? Yeah, when, 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 I, when I mustered the courage to speak to my father, he was in bed lying down. I looked into his eyes, knew, knowing I was going to break his heart. You know, and it was a real initiation, a real painful moment for me to have to do this. But I think sometimes we have to do what we're guided to do. And uh, he didn't say anything. He just said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He said, are you really sure? I said, yeah. I said, okay. We didn't really speak. We, uh, we barely said it. We, we didn't say anything until I left and we didn't speak for two years. And so I ended up winning, just to give you a sense, I ended up winning. It would have been more, more um, I don't know, it would have been easier if he just started screaming, but, but he just said nothing, which made it even harder, you know, made it even more difficult, made it even more painful. And so I ended up winning a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery. Uh, there's American government gives away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. I win this green card. That for me was an affirmation that I was on the right path. Mm. I, really, I really do feel that when we follow our truth, when we follow our authentic impulse, when we surrender to our soul and follow that, I really believe that that's when we're in the flow. And when you really surrender and you're in the flow, I believe that the universe, the, four, the laws of nature, the universe rise to support you and meet you because you are shall we say, working in harmony with nature. You are, you are in the flow. And so the flow carries you. And, and, and I think that's when things happen that you couldn't plan. That's when things happen that you couldn't imagine. That's when things happen that you, that's, a, that's out of your mental personality, ego's control, because it's not you that's doing it. You're in the flow. And so it's arising from the flow. And, and so I think winning that green card was just, confirmation and that's what brought me to the u.s that's what brought me on a whole journey over the last 20 years uh to this amazing country to los, los angeles the u.s and uh you know started started my journey from there so, so when you when you decided that it's time for me to follow my truth and not do as is just as i've been taught did you know what your truth was or you just knew it wasn't that and were kind of following a map that your soul was giving you, but you didn't know where it was leading or I, 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 I did didn't you know? know. I didn't know the exact form. 
I just knew I needed to come to the US because this is where all the authors I'd read about were. <laughs> and it just felt right. I mean, I was thinking of maybe I go to India because, you know, all the Indian mystics and the spirit, but it, it didn't feel right. It didn't align. And what am I going to do? Live in India, you know? And, and so something just kept, when I felt into it, the alignment, the resonance, the vibration, the, the, the rightness felt like US, felt like Los Angeles. It, it, it just felt right. It's hard to explain, you know? I think here's one of the things in Surrender that we have to give up is the constant need to know. The mind has a constant need to know what everything means. Everything means. What does it mean? What does it mean? What, is it, what does relationship mean? What does it mean? What, is it, what, is it, what does everything mean? And we're constantly projecting onto a moment what everything means. And I think in that constant need to know, we're trying to, it's a form of control, but we don't realize that we end up limiting our ability to be with what's actually happening. And we don't also don't realize that just because we think something means something, it doesn't necessarily mean something. We're only able to perceive the, 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 the accuracy of what something is or decipher the truth of what something is based on the level of our consciousness, which is determined by our conditioning, which is wrapped up into our ego. And so the ego looks at something and interprets a situation or an experience to the best of its ability, but our ego's perception is not the total perception. And, and so many times our interpretation of reality is really, really limited in a certain sense. And so I think to truly surrender, move into the flow, we have to give up the need to know, the need to know, the need to know, the need to constantly understand and actually learn to embrace the, shall we say, the unknown, learn to embrace the not knowing. When we embrace the not knowing and we live in that surrender, it doesn't mean you just sit there and do nothing. Like, oh, I just sit there and Coot says, don't know. I don't know. Just sitting here. I've been sitting here for 20 years. Coop. That's not how it is. It means you feel the deepest truth in your soul. Where is the deepest truth? What's the deepest impulse? And rather than trying to filter it and convince yourself or process it through the mind, you listen and you feel like, yeah, this is what I'm called to do. This is the direction. And you, and you align with what feels true. You align with the deepest truth of your being and you move in that direction. What I found is as you live and move in that direction, life starts revealing itself to you in the process of living life itself. And so surrender really is a shift rather than you pushing and projecting life is really allowing life to lead you, allowing life to guide you, allowing life to show you, allowing life to uh, reveal to you what's next. So you're not living from your mind. You're not living from your ego because when even the best life that's lived from the mind and the ego is going to be limited because the mind and the ego is actually uh, a, a structured, conditioned uh, process from the past. So what we project into the future is going to be just another version of the past. And so when we live in that surrendered openness, we're no longer limited. We're no longer limiting our future to something in the past. Now our future becomes a wide open, shall we say, a field of possibilities that's like, now anything can happen. Now anything, can, there's no limits to like, oh, did this, did this, did this? Okay, this is what the future is going to be. Now anything can happen. That's I think when the, the magic, you know, the magic of surrender that I'm talking, talking about, that's when the magic truly happens. And so I just, go ahead. Yep. 
Go finish, finish. No, I just really also ju ju just want to clarify for those listening in, just so we're all clear on, on, on when I say surrender, like surrender is, because I don't want to assume everyone understands all what surrender means, because I think in our culture today, surrender has been given this weird, bad rap that, I mean, who the hell is going to want to surrender based on certain definitions? There's a misconception about surrender that I really think we need to update, we need to reframe, re-understand, reimagine what surrender is in our in our present modern day world and so <clears throat> surrender has been perceived as weak surrender has been perceived as uh, uh, you'll be taken advantage of if you surrender you won't get your goals you won't get your dreams you won't manifest the xyz what that you have in your mind uh, if you surrender you're going to be broke you're going to be homeless you're going to have to sell everything live in the himalayas you, if you surrender you know it's scary it's the worst thing you're going to be a doormat and you, you you're going to get less I'm actually saying, if you surrender, what if you actually got more? If through surrender, what if you got more than you could conceive with your mind? And so, so, to, so, so to what, what do you say? Because I want to ask you about that. Because the, there's this whole group that says, create. Okay. If you think let's, it, you create it. Okay, um, and talk. you're saying, let life leave you. Let, okay, let life talk. lead you. Let, let, let's talk. See, to surrender is to stop trying to control life. The idea of control, the illusion of control. We don't really control life anyway. You know, you don't, you don't really control. We'll get into that in a second. So to surrender is you stop trying to control life. Stop trying to fit life into your little idea of what it should be. Stop trying to <clears throat> manipulate life and strategize your way to life. And, 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 and when you, you surrender your idea of who you think you should be and the life you think you should be living and allow the authentic nature of the impulse of life that is seeking to express to truly unfold this is surrender so yes there is an idea of people that think you got to make shit happen man you got to push you got to make shit happen you got to make your reality you got to do you and make it and create and set those goals and make it happen and go after now i'm not saying you can't manifest a life that way. Let me be clear. You can, the psychology of achievement, you can manifest a life that way. But I believe it's an old antiquated way of creating. 2020 was a year when we all thought we were in control. Who had all great, great plans for 2020? Going to do this, going to do that. We're going to do Boom. What the hell happened to all those plans? Life just reminding us, hey, you people. You're not really in control. You think you're in control, but you're not really in control. Let me just remind you that you're not in control. We were thrown into a global transformational meditation on surrender. That's what happened. It was a spiritual evolutionary process for the awakening to create a phase transition in how we are, I think, being invited to live, which is in surrender. Look, as human beings, we try to control everything. We try to control how we're perceived by people. We try to control our body through exercise. We try to control our mind in meditation. We try to control God in prayer. We try to control our, our spouse. You know, I don't know how that works. We try to control our children. <laughs> we try to control our pet goldfish. We try to control... I mean, how has that really worked for us? Has it really worked? Does it, has it brought us joy? Has it brought us freedom? Has it brought us bliss? Has it brought us peace? All it leads to is stress and distress and pain and depression. It doesn't bring us bliss and ecstasy and joy. And so, yes, there is a whole 
uh, model, an old, I call it an old, outdated, ego-based model of creation. And the books will tell you, you've got to know what your goals are. Okay, but many times we've set goals. You set these goals that you think you want. You achieve some of those goals only to realize, shit, is this it? Mm. Is, is it like the goal I really like, I really wanted that thing. I really wanted that body. I really wanted that car. I really wanted that thing. And then you have it. Yeah, you've had the experience, right? Like, is this all this? The thing I was chasing my whole life, and this is how I feel. And you start realizing there's not, nothing really outside is going to make you happy. If you're really looking for it outside, it doesn't really make you truly happy. It might give you a moment of pleasure. Pleasure is fleeting, no different than a nice, you know, uh, ice cream and uh, chocolate taste. It's, it's a fleeting moment. It's a transitory moment. It's not lasting and fulfilling. And so you realize, wow, this is not what I really wanted. Because here's the thing. Many times we're setting goals that we think we want based on who we think we are. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, then what we think we want is not going to be what we really want. It's going to just be what we think we want based on who we think we are. So then even some of the great goals that we're writing in our journals and goal setting, you've got to know what you want. We go to the seminars, know what you want, know what you want. If that was it, how many goal setting freaking workshops have been done? How many manifestation seminars have been done? Nothing wrong with them. I'm going to explain in a second. Don't freak out, okay? <laughs> Folks listening might be going, oh my God, what about my goals? It's okay. But, but if you really thought, think about it, the goal setting is pretty straightforward. If that was simply the idea, the, 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 the solution, I mean, Think and Grow Rich has come, Tony Robbins has come, Brian Tracy's come. I mean, they've all been talking about goals, 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 goals. But I'm saying there is another way, a bigger way, slightly different way, the next level way, not better, just a different way that I think we're being called to as a humanity. And so many times our goals become a projection. Think about it, become a projection of our unmet goal, unmet needs, unmet wounds, unmet pain, unmet memories from our past. Daddy wasn't around, mommy wasn't around, we felt bullied, we weren't enough, we were outcast, we were abandoned, we were laughed at, we were, you know, we were shunned growing up and so we feel not enough. And so now there's this unconscious projection of if I can get that car, if I can get that house, if I can get that body, if I can achieve that thing, if I can make that X amount of dollars, then I'm going to finally be okay and enough. And the goal is not really the goal that we want. What we're seeking is something else. And so the goal never really, 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 really actually fulfills us. And so we're then, so what happens? Because we're not aware of that, we think that the goal is what we want. And then we're pumping up the, the, the ego, which we think we are, that we're not. We're pumping that up with self-empowerment, but we have limited identity because we think we're this identity. So now we're trying to pump ourselves up to get that goal. Now we can't get off this freaking treadmill. And then we get so identified with all the things we achieve that we're caught on this never-ending, never-ending chasing treadmill. How many billionaires I've worked with, and I love my, all of my clients, who come to me and they're unhappy. They come, I mean, some of these people have the capacity to fulfill every goal for every person on the, they have enough money to fulfill every goal for every person on the planet. You want a Lamborghini? You want a Ferrari? You want a Rolls Royce? You want, I mean, but, so if that was it, why are they not happy? Why is Bill Gates not happy? Just got divorced. Bezos just got divorced. Why? Why not happy? 
because there's something else. So my, my, what I'm inviting people is a different consideration. I think it's an evolution. See, so that old paradigm is asking yourself the question, what do I want? Yes, that's, that's, the, that's the mode of questioning. What do I want? But if you're not in touch with, with, with I, who is the I? We don't ask, who is the I that's wanting? Who is the I that's wanting? The I that's wanting is actually, until we're conscious and aware, a kind of conditioned version of who we really are. And if we're letting this conditioned version of what we identify ourselves to be decide what we want, you can see the limited nature of life that we're going to create. Now, I'm actually inviting in, in the magic of surrender and through this idea of surrender, an invitation for, for you to consider the question, what is it that life, life, the universe, life, the universe, the infinite intelligence, God, the divine, whatever label you want to put on this, this, this big, this energy, the source, life that's living us. What is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that life wants to create through me? What is it that life wants to manifest through me? What is it that life, what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express through me? And to feel that, to tune to that, to, to, to open yourself to that fully, to surrender yourself to that fully beyond your mind and allow yourself, allow yourself to be lived by that. To me, that's the invitation. And when you really feel this is the deepest, most authentic impulse, it's not coming from your mind, it's not coming from your ego, it's not coming from the eye, it's coming from a dimension of your being that is the source of life, then life, then we're open to a space where life can actually begin to manifest itself through us. And I think that's where the miracles happen. That's where the truly miraculous, magnificent that's where you, the mandela the martin luther king the jesus the bruce lee the muhammad ali the bob marley the the mother Teresa. that's when that happens so, so so you're talking about living a life based on instead of achieving goals to instead experiencing miracles yeah instead i'm actually saying instead of goal setting try soul setting where you align, you align yourself with your soul's deepest expression, deepest impulse, deepest purpose, and get the vision of what that is. So how do you do that if you don't know what your, what your purpose is? Yeah, but see, here's the thing. A lot of us are trying to figure out what our purpose is, but, 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 but we're con if we're conditioned in our little, you know, identity, then what our purpose is will also sometimes just be a projection, okay, of what we think our purpose should be based on our identity, okay? And I'll speak to purpose in a, in, 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 in a, in a moment. And so we're not, we're not saying figure out what your purpose is. I'm saying feel the deepest impulse of what feels most true. Feel the deepest impulse of what feels real. Feel the deepest impulse of what, where and how you're being guided in a given situation in a given moment and a given opportunity and as you feel that like yes this feels right you go in that direction yes you know go to america that go to america 
that impulse felt right. So I said, okay, I'm going to America. Now I can set my goals. My goal now becomes to go to America, but my goal is now set around the deepest authentic impulse of my soul, not some conditioned identity of trying to get something in order to be happy. So you still goal setting, but goal setting uh, and the mind is now a servant to the soul. It's a it's a so now you're aligning your mind, your body, your personality, your being around the energy of truth, the energy of alignment. That's the difference. And so once you soul set in that way, you be still, you listen, and then you move in a direction. Then you can align your marketing and your resources and your money and your time and your actions and your effort. It's not like surrender just means do nothing. Now you take effort, but you, what you're efforting in is in the right, shall we say, the right direction about purpose. Because you asked about purpose. There is this myth that you've got to know what your purpose is. I'm actually saying no. You don't have to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you need to be. Purpose. Wait, and, and, I, need you to, I need you to repeat that. That was so powerful. Say that again. You don't have to know where you're going in order to get to where you need to be. This notion that you've got to know what your purpose is. You've got to sit here. We've got to figure out what my purpose is, write it on, on a, a little board and put it on the wall and then repeat that to yourself. It's, it's limited. Purpose is evolutionary. At every stage of your life, your purpose will simply expand. The expression, I should say, of your purpose should expand. Now, I'm going to back up and then back in. From a bigger grand uh, spiritual perspective, your purpose is this moment. From a bigger grand spiritual perspective, your purpose is this life right now, right here, right now, is your purpose. From a bigger spiritual perspective, you're a soul that's incarnated into this human experience to learn, grow, and evolve, to realize more of your true self and your true nature. Every single, and life is a classroom for your soul's evolution. And so every single situation, every single experience is the evolutionary opportunity to grow, evolve, and re remember who you are. That means every moment really is your purpose. Every second, with your wife, with a kid, at work, in a situation, in a breakdown, in a breakup, every moment is your purpose as long as you're learning, growing, and evolving. That's it. That's the spiritual perspective. Now, the expression of the form of what your mission is in life and your how you, that your purpose expresses in terms of what you do, slightly different. So I'm going to say, you don't have to know what your purpose is in order to truly live your purpose. So the myth is you've got to figure out your purpose and find your purpose. It's not true. Sometimes trying to seek, 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 seek what your purpose is becomes the ego's way of never actually having to live it of do it because constantly seek i don't know what my purpose is mm. let me see, let me find it let me seek don't know what my purpose is. can't really do it i can stay on the sidelines now play it safe not really risk it always have the future hope for what it might be but i can play it safe until i find my purpose no here's what i would say step one let's get practical for a second move in the direction of what you love move in the direction of what you love because i don't know what i don't know what to do what, tell me what you love. What lights you up? What makes you most alive? What brings you on fire? Go in the direction of what you love, lights you on fire, what you would do for free. For instance, when I was a kid, we lived behind my father's church. 
didn't have a lot of money. I would sneak into my father's church at night, in the middle of the night, 10 a.m., 11, sorry, 10 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., on weekends, three, four, five hours during the weekend, from age 11, 12 to maybe 6, 17, 18. And I would speak to the empty chairs, no one around, pitch black, lights off. And I would give seminars speaking to the empty chairs, inspiring all the souls. There, were no one, there was no one in the room, but imagining souls, people like yourself, speaking, seeing their lives light up, inspiring them, walking up and down the aisle, talking, sharing my ideas, sharing my, uh, literally giving seminars for the empty chairs. But in my mind, there were thousands of people there. I was doing it for free. I loved it. And so, fine, what do you love? What lights you up? Go in that direction of what brings you aliveness. Life, is your purpose is not to be figured out up front. What we're trying to do as human beings, we're trying to figure out everything from this perspective over here, trying to look around the corner rather than taking the step. If you go in a direction, a step, life meets you in that moment. You take another step, life then shows you in that moment. You take another step, life then reveals to you. Life reveals to you the next stage of your purpose in the process of living itself. The challenge is we want to know what it is before we even take step one. But if we don't take step one, we're not ready for step two. But we want to know what step 25 is. But we don't, if we don't take step two or we don't take step three, how will, will we be ready for step four? And so take a step, take a step, take a step. Life reveals itself. And then what I find is you end up in many ways living into your purpose. And maybe a year, two, three, four, depending on how long it takes, you look around. And you say, well, I'm actually living my purpose right now. Could Oprah, okay, the great, anyone heard of Oprah? <laughs> Could she we have all know Oprah. <laughs> we all know Oprah. Could she have planned and imagined that right now at, at age 60 or how, however old she is, she would be perhaps the richest, you know, African-American woman in America, if not the world, self-made, media mogul? I don't think so, but she loved communication. So she went and said, I'm going to be a news reporter. She went in the direction. She couldn't have planned that, but she went in the direction. As she went in the direction, she started communicating, but she had too much compassion. She would cry reading the news. They had to fire her. They're like, you can't cry reading the news, young lady. We've got to fire you. So they gave her a little demotion to a, a simple little uh, <clears throat> a channel doing the news in, in one, one station. I think it was in Baltimore. You know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in Baltimore. She did this. She they gave her a, a TV talk show. Said you do that little thing over there. They thought they would get rid of her. Ratings blew up because she now she could tell stories and be compassionate and cry, and people loved that. That connected with people. That led to more more stations, more state syndication. Boom! The Oprah Winfrey Show, global, national, global, worldwide. Here we are. Take a step. So take a step. It, so if the idea is to take these steps, allow life to lead us, do you believe that, that, there, that we, don't, we don't know it and it's okay we don't know it, but that life has a destiny for us, that if we, let, if we let life lead, life has it planned out for us where we are going, life, that there's a destiny? Life, I would say life has an intelligence of its own. And life has a, 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 a intelligence not for us, but for itself. Because we are not separate from life. 
and the greatest mistake and source of suffering is the illusion that you are separate from life. You are not separate from life. The idea of limited identity, of thinking I am coot and life is life, it now creates this idea of separation. But what I am is life, what you are is life. This body and form will at some point dissolve. Your body and form will at some point dissolve. But the truth is what breathes me and what breathes you is the same source, the same existence, the same life force intelligence. So to me, life has an intelligence for itself not necessarily for us i'm saying what i'm saying is no there's no separation and and so it's not necessarily like everything is already planned so now if you're going to be homeless you're going to be homeless for the rest of your life because that's your destiny and that's life's destiny for you no, no, no i'm not saying that but i'm saying life is seeking to express itself and the more we can get ourselves out of the way and align and participate and cooperate with the natural flow of life, the more graceful life will be, the more things will flow. I think the more uh, interesting, magical, amazing things will tend to work out. Doesn't mean there won't be challenges, doesn't mean there won't be difficulty, doesn't mean you may not, sometimes you might need to work 24 hours a day because look at, uh, look at, uh, look at um, Martin Luther King. I'm sure he wasn't lazy sitting around doing nothing. I'm sure that guy was running around nonstop 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, nonstop, middle of the night with a vision. But there was a vision where he, I think, got to the point where he, he realized my life isn't my life. That's the realization. My life isn't my life. In that moment, there had to be a surrender to life. And I think, and again, I'm getting a little out there in this moment, but I think it's coming up. I think... There is a great freedom and a great uh, key when we simply realize my life isn't my life. I'll even say this way. Your dreams don't belong to you. Hmm. Your dreams belong to life. Wow. When you realize that your dreams don't belong to you, they belong to life. Something shifts. Ego, this idea of what we think we are. We think we're real. We think we're this real, independent, separate thing from life. I'm separate from life. I'm separate from you. We forgot that we're all a part of nature. We're being lived and breathed by life. The same source, breathing me. Breathing. We forgot. We, we, we've kind of forgotten. But if your dream doesn't belong to you, it belongs to life. And it's not yours. And your job becomes to say, okay, I feel this thing. Let me say yes to it. So then you get yourself out of the way. And if it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to life, then life has an intelligence that knows how to fulfill itself and how to fulfill the dream, right? Through you. If it's life's dream, then it knows how to fulfill itself through you. Does, we could say, does life know how to fulfill itself through the mango? Of course. Yeah. There's, there's, there's the, the, the mango going, oh shit, how, how am I going to become a mango? Oh my God. <laughs> but the mango is a seed. You're a seed. I'm a seed. We're all a seed of consciousness. But we forgot. Mango is a seed. There's a seed, intelligence in the mango. Life knows how to fulfill itself through the mango. Life knows how to fulfill itself through the pineapple. 
Pineapple's not going, I don't want to be a damn pineapple. I want to be an apple. I, want to, I don't want to be an apple. I want to be a kale. It's just life knows how to fulfill itself through itself. And so, so when we get ourselves out of the way and say, okay, the dream doesn't belong to me, it belongs to life. Then I just have to get myself out of the way, say, yes, show up and do my part and say, okay, life, use me. I'm willing to be used by life. Use me. That's what, that was what all of the great ones said. Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, even Muhammad Ali, you know, even uh, Mandela. Use me. Life, use me. That's, I mean, if we look at the, the, the prayer, you know, of, of all the great ones, whether they were religious, spiritual, at some point they were like, even, even Michael Jordan, in his great moments, maybe not a conscious thing, he was no longer playing. When he was playing, he was being played. Even Michael Jackson would talk about in that moment when he's dancing, I am no longer dancing. I'm being danced. He's being used. That's when the greatness happens. That's when the magic happens. And so when we realize that your dreams don't belong to you, they belong to life, you get yourself out of the way. And then life starts using you, what life, can, what life can do through you is more than anything you can do on your own. And so when you surrender to life, you tap into an infinite potential that you won't be able to know what that will be in this moment because it's beyond your mind. That's where the miracles are. That's where the, the magic is. That's the invitation I'm inviting you in the magic of Sunda, this concept to open to more. What's the more? Let's go to the more. Let's not put, I'm saying, let's not put limits on life. Life has been around for billions of years. You and I, we've been around 50, 60, 30, 40, 20. Okay, maybe someone listening to this conversation 150. Fair enough. But at most, <laughs> at most, Life has been around billions, billions, billions of years. And so it has an intelligence. It has, right now, you and I, we're sitting here, we're breathing. We, I haven't heard you say, shit, um, in this interview, I'm a little concerned how I'm going to breathe. How I'm going to breathe and speak to you at the same time. How, how, how is it going to happen? We have to breathe. We have to do a special breathing you know, uh, technique. Let's breathe, breathe, breathe. You're just having a conversation, scratching, laughing, sitting there, breathing. And we're, here we are just flowing. You're being breathed. I'm breathing. You're breathing. Breathing hundreds, if not thousands of times already since the conversation started. It's just happening. Happening. Well, how am I going to breathe if I don't breathe? See, the ego, who what we think we are and what we identify as ourselves, always wants to be in control. Because being in control... And being the one that manifests and does, and it's like, I'm the one that does everything, gives it a sense of existing. To surrender for the ego, which isn't really real, it's just the perception of what we think ourselves to be based on past experiences, pain, experiences, challenges, memories, accumulated together, we identify that, me, conditioning, right? To surrender for the ego is terrifying and scary because the sense of, oh shit, 
if I'm not the one doing everything, which is how I keep myself feeling like I'm, I'm existing, then who am I? And so surrender is a little bit scary for the ego, but it's the invitation. When so you how, let, when you how, let, how do we do that? So for many, it's so scary that I can't take that first step because I've been told my whole life, you're in control. You're in control. Take control. And I hear, okay, surrender. Whoa. Well, this story seems a lot more peaceful. I'm in, but I'm terrified. Great. So you're terrified. So number one, just let's just be with that terror. Let's just sit with that terror. Let's just, let's hold it. Let's embrace it. Let's be with that terror. Let's hold that terror. Let's love that terror. Let's just be, let's just be with that terror. We, we feel the terror like, oh my God, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to, I'm going to like let surrender. Oh my God, who will I be if I don't, if I, if I let go of control because I'm always the one controlling and, and, and then we start controlling again rather than just let me be with the terror. Here's the terror. Let me just sit with the terror. Feel the terror. Embrace the terror. Welcome the terror. See what happens when I'm just with the terror. We don't really know what happens when we're with the terror because we're so busy avoiding the terror, you see? We drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, distract it away, whatever it is, so we don't have to be with the terror of I, I, I'm not going to exist. And so when you can be with this terror, not judge it, not change it, see what happens. And see when you're with the terror, what happens and who remains? The idea that I'm going to die, right? The terror is I'm going to die. I won't exist. So then we have to then step back as once we're with the terror. Okay, here's the terror. Then we, have to, then we need to ask ourselves, now we're in relationship with the terror. Who am I? We don't really ask ourselves, who am I? We're so busy, like, I don't want to die. Wait, wait. But who am I? What am I? Let's look at it. Because if we really look at this thing, that's like freaking out of it. If we really look at it, there comes a moment as you're really observing this thing that's freaking out, throwing a touch and resisting, right? Egos, you start realizing that that's not you. But you have to observe and look at it. Because if you can observe it, watch it. There's space. Mm. If you can observe it and watch it, you see that what's watching What's watching it? Well, if I'm watching it and I thought this was me, then what's watching? So who am I? So we have to start asking ourselves the question, you know, being with, not just intellectually making notes and asking ourselves the question, but being with embodying, who am I really? And as you start realizing that what you're not really is this collection of memories, thoughts, ideas, pain, hurt, conditioning, belief structures that you think is you, then slowly the fear of loosening 
and surrendering, shall we say, dying, uh, uh, starts to fall away. Mm. And it, it gently, like, oh, oh, that's not me. It's like, if I, we said, okay, okay, take off your blue shirt. You wouldn't, like tonight, when you go to sleep, take off the blue shirt. You don't start screaming like, no, don't take off my, oh my God. It's not like that. You're like, okay, take it off. Because you don't identify that as you. But if your whole life, you were told, Jonathan, you are the blue shirt. Blue shirt is you. This blue shirt, and if you were told by your parents, that was you, you can never, you would not take it off. You'd be showering with this. You'd be, it'll be smelly as hell, but you'd be wearing this blue shirt because of your attachment to it. We've just become attached and conditioned, reinforced by our parents, reinforced by programming, reinforced by society, reinforced by media, reinforced by television, reinforced by social. This is who you are. This is who I, this is who I, this is who you are. This is who you are. So we have to start questioning. Is this me? Is this me? Is this me? Is this belief me? Is this idea me? Is this identity me? Is it really me? And that's when there's some space that starts developing and a whole different kind of freedom that starts to, shall we say, um, expand. The other thing I would invite people to sit with and question is, if you look at all the times when things didn't go according to what you had tried to control and plan, was there ever a time as a human being where life didn't work out according to your plan? Of course, a lot of the time. So much for being in control, by the way. So was there ever, so, so yes, there was. And think of all the times where life actually worked out better than you planned. Yeah. Many times. And even when things didn't work out better than you planned, and they worked out maybe what you thought was worse, in that moment, you weren't able to see the whole picture. But if you looked at, for instance, mm, if you didn't break up with that person, you'd still be with that person. I'm just making up the story, no, not, not you or me. But if you, if, if you didn't break up with that person who you really wanted to be with, you would not have met the person you ended up with and have your kids today. So was that breakup pat terrible? Was it bad? Was, should it not have happened? Should we? No. So look, so, so, so we have to start looking at what might sometimes seem bad for the ego from our limited perception is not necessarily bad, can be a blessing for your soul. Let's look at Mandela, 27 years in prison. That's two seven, two seven. We've been in a pandemic one year, 2020, times that by 27. Imagine 27 years in lockdown and, and, and the Mandela lockdown, that's a whole nother level of lockdown in a small cell room, 27 years. So we could say, well, that was terrible. What if it didn't happen? What if he was free? What if that didn't happen? We have to ask ourselves, would he have become the Nelson Mandela? Had he not been face-to-face -face with himself for 27 years, would he have developed the, the, the vision, the ideas, the depth of compassion and forgiveness he must have had to go to to not want to shoot himself and everyone around? and hate people, 27 years in a jail cell? Wow, would he have developed that level of soul force had he not spent that time in prison? Should he have not spent that time in prison? So, and so how, what, can, what can sometimes seem 
not great can be beautiful so we have to be willing to stop trying to think we know what something means step back be open and i would say here's a key live curiously hmm. curiously rather than constantly see we're meaning making machines as human beings we're constantly projecting onto the mind this is what this means this is what this means this is what this means but we don't realize we're limiting what it actually is based on the meaning we're putting on it we're not the moment we say this is what it means we're not really open to maybe it means something else mandela's in prison this is the worst thing maybe it's the best thing maybe so so rather than saying rather than attaching to an idea see it for what it is but stay open I so how know. do we how do we apply that to social justice today here because it's it's obvious in the united states it, around the world too but but you know we're here in the us um that it's pretty messed up as it comes to social justice racial justice and and i think that there's this idea that if we surrender we're saying it's okay obviously a lot of changes need to be made so how do we balance the well let life lead me versus this is really messed up and how okay. do we, how do we probably sure. take a stand did, man, did, <clears throat> did martin luther i'm going to ask you one question to answer that did martin luther king make a difference in terms of civil rights and racial justice on the planet uh i believe so i mean certainly exactly. more to be done but i believe so he did it's fair to say he did make a huge difference yeah the world would be a different place if he didn't take a stand he let life lead him that's what letting life lead you looks like. He didn't want to be the head of a civil rights movement. They tried. He didn't want to be because he knew like, oh, shit, that might take me in a direction that I don't want. I have a nice life here. Kids, a nice little church, can live the rest of my life in peace. So this is cool. But we want you to be the, the leader, the front man. Finally, he, he, he had to surrender to the deeper impulse and say, you know what? There's more that has to be done. My soul is guiding me in this direction. I have to answer the calling. And he answered the calling. He let life lead him. And this is the difference he made. <clears throat> so surrender doesn't mean you sit at home, you let someone be a doormat, you sit at home, you don't respond to the call. Surrender means you feel the deepest call in your heart and you follow that direction. And that might lead you to go protest that might lead you to write a blog, an article, that might lead you to go fight on the street, that might lead you to speak up and make some phone calls, you know, that might lead you to go vote. What I will say is it will look different for everybody, you know, because everyone has their own purpose and unique path and a unique way that they're called to do it in this lifetime. There's no one person that's the same. So I don't think we should project what it should look like, but what's important important is we feel the deepest authentic truth that we feel that might mean you make that tv show that's going to be difficult that might mean you 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 you, you, you speak on that podcast topic that's going to be challenging that might ruffle some feathers but you know your soul is guiding you to do it and you let life lead you. So letting life lead you doesn't mean just, let's just go with the flow and whatever, the path of least resistance. It means go in the path of most alignment. Hmm. 
And whatever the path of most enlightenment is, you go there. And sometimes it might mean be quiet. Sometimes it might mean be fire. But it, 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 it means you follow what's true. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you follow what's true. But I do want to say that, that if you really want to make a difference, I just want to add a piece in terms of social justice. I do think it's important. There's many things in the world that needs to change, but there's two things I want to say is <clears throat> spiritually, we have to also understand the nature of the world. This might trigger some people, but I think it's important to say, we have to understand the nature of the world. We live in a three-dimensional universe. This is 3D. This is the realm of duality. It's just the way it is. Up, down, black, white, male, female, yin, yang, good, bad, positive, negative. It's physics. It's the Tao. Rich, poor. It's the Tao. Plus, minus. It's the Tao. It's the wholeness. It's the yin and yang. And so if you're looking for perfection in this domain, one exists, doesn't exist here. It doesn't exist in this domain. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be more loving. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be more kind. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be more empathic. That doesn't mean racism is okay. I dealt with it many days in my life. Doesn't mean it's acceptable. But what we have to realize is there, there's going to be no utopia in this physical dimension. It's not meant to be. It's not the realm for why we incarnate here. When you... When you understand the spiritual reason for why you incarnate into this human experience to learn, grow, and evolve, and part of how you learn, grow, and evolve is through friction, part of how you learn, grow, and evolve is through challenge, part of how you learn, grow, grow and evolve is through lessons, then you can shift your relationship with the physical 3D dimension so that you're no longer fighting the way it is, you understand the way it is, then when you take a stand... You're coming from a place, when you come from a place of, shall we say, internal freedom, when you come from a place of more, more inner neutrality, when you come from a place of understanding the Tao, the yin and the yang, when you, when you come from that place, then when you go to effect change, you, you don't reinforce the duality and the energy of the old. You don't reinforce it. You're able to show up as a space of love, still protest, still speak, still, you know, change the system without causing more, shall we say, energetic karma or damage. Because you're not, you don't come from a place of judgment. So the world is, is duality. You know, no matter how much we heal ourselves as human beings, read the books, go to seminars, get therapy, you and I, we will never be perfect human beings. <laughs> it will ne that's not the goal of spirituality. It's not the goal of therapy. It's never going to happen because it's, it's, not, it's not, there's not even, I mean, I don't say Jesus, not even the Dalai is perfect. Not even Mother Teresa is perfect. You know, and they're pretty damn amazing people. Not even Mother Teresa is perfect. Personality is not meant to be perfect. And that's beautiful. And that's okay. Grace, light, the divine, 
can still shine through us if we're willing to surrender and be used. So when we can accept that there's going to be war, I'm not saying we can't work towards uh, lessening. There's going to be some war. There's going to be, you know, crime. Will we get to a place where there's like zero crime ever on this three-dimensional domain? Mm, probably not. But this is why it's called 3D duality, planet Earth. Other dimensions of existence that I haven't been to, you know, maybe from where we came, it's all utopia. You know, we're all hanging out, kumbaya, just oneness. Cool. But that's not where we incarnate into this, into this soul school called life. When we realize that, there's a freedom to then say, okay, I can take it seriously, but not take it seriously. But take it seriously, it's like a movie, you see, but not take it seriously. But take it very fucking seriously, but not take it seriously, but take it seriously. Which is it? It's both. It's the end. The freedom is not in the either or, it's in the end. The last thing I'll just say <clears throat> about this as a, just a piece is... One of my teachers, this is, not, this is something I just want to add. One of my teachers from India, great man, talk about social action, social justice. Man of social justice, one of my mentors, 20 years. Former disciple of Gandhi. <clears throat> so when I say great man, great man, nobody has more of a right to speak about social justice than this man. And so he came to the US. This is a man who built 300 schools in the poorest part of India has orphanages for the homeless, you know, facilitated and brokered peace treaties between the people in his state, which is the most dangerous state in India. And it's just, you know, your chances of getting kidnapped in his state is 30, 40, 50%. I mean, it's intense. And the work he's done there is amazing. For, six, for 70 years, he's done his work. When he came, and he's all about peace and nonviolence. When he came to... <clears throat> the US to see me, came to the US to visit me. This is back in, in the end of Bush era, right? George Bush era. He came to see me and he said, uh, we went to a peace rally because they wanted him to come to, to speak about peace. I took him to a peace rally. You know, this was in the days where everyone hated Bush. Don't you remember those days? Everyone hated Bush, hated Bush. Screw Bush, screw Bush, we hate Bush. And, and so we take him to this peace rally and he looks around and I say, are you excited about speaking? He didn't say anything. Duakoji was his name. Everyone's like, I mean, a lot of ferocity, anger. First thing this man, he stands up and he says, taught me a lesson. He says to the co-crowd, very gentle Indian accent, do you love Bush? Do you love Bush? Do you love Bush? Everyone's like, we hate Bush. It was, so, it was such a moment. It's like hate cannot bring peace. Hate cannot bring peace. If you want to bring peace, you must love Bush. You must see his soul. You must see his divinity. You must see his godliness. Yes, you must change the policies. You must vote. You must do whatever, step one, two, three, four, five, but not with hate in your heart. Because if you hate Bush and you overturn Bush, you will just create another system that is another version of the opposite. You must love Bush. Change the actions, change the policy, but love Bush. 
And so if we want to do our part, I think to really make a difference on this planet, it's not enough to just change the world out there. We need to change the systems out there. Shit needs to change. I'm in full agreement. That's a given. I don't even have to go into some of these things that need to change. You know what they are. It's pretty obvious in the last year. It's obvious. I'm on board. <clears throat> but if we just change that and we don't change what's in here, we don't change the internal racism. We don't change all of the internal ways that we are terrorizing ourselves with our own self-hatred, with our own, not just police brutality out there, which needs to change, but the brutality. We are so brutal with our own consciousness and selves every day torturing ourselves every day and night, rioting in our own hearts. But we're not able to change that because the world is a mirror manifestation of our consciousness. The world is a projection of the collective consciousness of all of us combined. So if we want to bring peace out here in the world, we must, bring, we must at least do, do our part because we can't change the president, we can't change the government, we can't change, but we must do our part to change, to bring this peace in our own heart, to love ourselves, to accept ourselves, to honor ourselves, then we can honor those around us and honor, 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 the, honor our brother and our sister and honor our neighbor and honor, we can do that. And I think we can start, you know, one of the places I think we can start is to surrender to, okay, what can I do? Let's just start by doing what we can, where we are with what we have. So when people finish watching this, What's the first thing you want them to do right now? Wow. Um, to begin this practice of surrender. You know what? To, bring, to just, this is not exactly a practice of surrender, but I think it can make a difference. Uh, if there's someone you need to forgive, if there's someone you need to make amends with, if there's someone you're holding a grudge towards, if there's someone you, you know, we want to bring priests to the Middle East, but we're still pissed off at our sister. It's not going to work. We want to help, you know, the, uh, the people from another community, but, but, but we haven't called up our uncle in years because they pissed us off. How, who do we need to forgive? Where do we need to make amends? What do we need to take responsibility for? Where, where are we out of integrity? And I would just invite us to have the courage, the humility, the, and surrender to say, okay, how can I do my part to clean up my side of the street, my side of my consciousness? What do I need to do? But, but, but they, they haven't apologized. We've got to, we got to surrender beyond, bigger than that. But they haven't. Let's do our part. And so I would say, pick up the phone. Make a phone call, forgive, speak. doesn't matter what the other person does. They may respond, they may not respond. That's their deal. Do it because it's the right thing to do for you. Set yourself free, do your part. If they respond or they don't respond, that's up to them. And I think then we really uh, become the change that we seek in the world. I would say, let's start there. Take an action, make a phone call, write a letter, make amends, bring some healing. Wow. Thank you so, so much. The book, The Magic of Surrender, Coot Blackson, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Thanks so much. Yes, if, if it's okay to just direct people to, to the website as well. Yeah, please do. Where do you want people yeah. to visit? Yeah, the, uh, themagicofsurrender.com. 
Uh, I think free gifts are still available. Obviously, it's available on Amazon. Also, my website, kublaxon.com, and also if people are ready for another deeper dive, uh, boundlessblissbali.com, www.boundlessblissbali.com. Thanks. And we'll have we'll have all the links available for you. They'll be written there, so you can just <laughs> click away. And um, and yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me.